the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. And several weeks ago, as I was thinking about this brand new year and asking the Lord what message series he would have me to share with you as we're starting a brand new year together, there was one word and one phrase that came to my mind. And that word was the word recovery, that 2021 is a year for your recovery and that God wants to take you not just back, but God wants to take you back to better. I want you to notice those two phrases, recovery and back to better. Recovery and back to better. Recovery is a way back. That's actually what the word means. It means to go back or to get back something in your life. But if you're like me, I'm not interested in going back to what was. In fact, I don't believe that any of us want to go back to what was. I believe that God has a plan to bring you back to something that is actually better. There's a recovery that he wants to accomplish in your life that's actually going to, to, to result in a better life than you've ever known before. Better things that will happen in your life, better relationships, better focus, better priorities, and a better way of living. And so I'm going to talk to you for the next several weeks about seven keys or seven steps that allow us to experience this kind of recovery that takes us back to better. And today's message is really a foundational message. Uh, Seven weeks following today's message, eight in total, I'll be going through each of these individual steps. We'll be talking about what I would call the seven steps to recovery and the things that God, I believe, will be asking of us and working with us in regard to over those seven steps, that seven-step process. But today, I simply want to lay a foundation to help you to understand what this recovery thing is all about. And in fact, I'll give you what I'm going to, uh, going to term as four basic facts regarding recovery that you and I need to understand. So grab your notes, grab your pencil, get your Bible ready. Let's dive in to this very important message, laying the foundation for what we'll be looking at for the next seven weeks following. The first thing that I want you to note regarding recovery, and I believe what is foundational to the beginning of this series together, is to understand that recovery is something that you need. You need it in your life. There really is only one thing that will truly motivate a person to change. I've learned it in my own life, and I've seen it in other people's lives as well over the years of ministry, just simply working with people and observing people. The one thing that causes people to really change in their life is when they come to a recognition in their own selves, within themselves, internally, that they need something. They need to change. You know, it's generally, you never make any significant changes in your life until you know that you need to do it. If you don't see the need, you will never invest in a process. 
And so I'm going to ask you this question as we, we begin this series together. Do you see your need for recovery? I want you to try to answer that question as we're going through this first point together. Do you see this idea, this concept of recovery as being something that has application in your life? Or are you perhaps dismissing it and say, well, you know, that series might be good for somebody else, but, but I, I'm not sure I really need it. I'm going to help us all to see why everybody needs recovery. To understand recovery, it's helpful to understand the experiences in people's lives that result in the need for it. So I'm going to walk you down a list of some things in life, and I want you to use this as a kind of checklist for your life. And as you're saying yes to any of these things I'm about to share, it's going to point to the fact that not just somebody else needs recovery, it's going to point to the fact that you and I need recovery in our lives. I'll give you 14 things. I'm going to go through them very quickly. So let's go right through them together. Have you experienced a loss in your life? Loss requires recovery. How about brokenness? Has there been some level of brokenness in your life? In the past or in this past year, this idea, the concept, the experience of brokenness means that something needs to be fixed. It needs to be restored or recovered. Have you forfeited something in your life? If something that you used to have is not there anymore because of some set of circumstances, it's now forfeited from your life. Recovery is needed. Have you been injured in some way, whether it be spiritually or emotionally or even physically? You're suffering from something in your life that you need to get back to better in regard to. You need recovery. Have you had some kind of decline in your life? Maybe it's been a decline in a relationship or decline in a certain functioning area of your life, and it seems to have slipped away a bit. Recovery is needed from a decline. Has there been a failure in your life? Do you look back on 2020 or maybe even years preceding 2020 and say, you know, that failure seems to continue to bother me. It's still hanging around my life. It's still bringing shame or frustration to me in some way. You need recovery. Has there been any regression in your life? Have you regressed? Did you used to be stronger spiritually than you are right now? Did you used to be stronger emotionally than you are right now? Did your marriage used to be stronger than it is right now? Has there been a regression in your life? If there's been some level of regression, you and I need recovery. Has there been an atrophy in your life? The muscles of your life, have they now kind of lost their strength? It's so true that when you and I don't exercise our natural, our physical muscles very quickly, they atrophy. And the same is true in other realms of life. When you don't use your mind well or use your relationships well, they atrophy over a period of time. Has there been a reduction of something in your life? Did you used to have more of something than you have right now? Has there been a deterioration of something in your life? How about weakness? Has it shown up in your life? Do you feel like you're weaker than you used to be rather than stronger? How about a relapse? Was there a time in your life when you'd conquered a habit, you'd overcome something, you felt like that was behind you, but in the last months, the last year, the last several years, you've now relapsed, and that problem that used to no longer bother you has shown back up in your life? Has there been some waste in your life or just simple dullness? All these words in your life represent the need for recovery. And I would submit to you this weekend that all of us have experienced one or more of these things in our life. And so I'm trying to stress to us the importance of the need for recovery. 
How do you know you need recovery? You can identify one of those things. Now, we'll tell you even further biblically, we all need that. We, we all know that we need recovery by reason of one simple verse of scripture. It's found in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Listen to what it says. Paul, the apostle, writes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and says, yes, all have sinned, all fall short of, the, of God's glorious ideal. Or one translation says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. The reality is we all need recovery because of one simple three-letter word, and that word is sin. Sin in our own lives, we are all sinners. We mess up. We hurt the heart of God. We go against God's word and against God's will. We live around sinful people, and their sin affects us in some way, and we live in a sinful world. Because of this little word, sin, S-I-N, we all are in need of recovery because sin robs our lives, and sin injures us, and sin destroys lives, and weakens people, and dulls people, and wastes lives away. We all need recovery because of the reality that we have issues in life that we need to recover from to go not just back, but back to better. Can you acknowledge today with me that, yes, I need this in my life because you'll never be motivated to go through this series and to go through the steps we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks until you acknowledge I need this in my life. If you're aware of that, just simply whisper that phrase to God right now, God, I need recovery in my life. The second fact that I want to share with you as we start this series out together is that recovery is something that God gives. God gives it to people. God is a recovery God. I'm so glad about that. It's what he does for people because it is who he is. God enables people to recover because God is a recovery God. God enables people to experience restoration because God is a restorative God. I'm going to give you a story taken from 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'll begin in verse number 1, and I'll read down through verse number 8, and then we'll talk about the story. What I want you to see is in the midst of a story about David, the Old Testament character David, I want you to see the the beauty and the picture of, of God's work in people's lives, his desire to recover people. Here's the story, 2 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. David asked, this is later later on in David's uh, ministry as king or his administration as king of Israel. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? See, David had made a pledge to, to, to Saul's son, Jonathan, that he was going to show kindness to Jonathan's family. So he's asking the question years later after Jonathan is now, is now dead, Saul is dead, and he's asking the question, is there anybody left of the household of Saul to whom I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? I want to honor my friend, Jonathan. Verse 2 says, now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba, They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba at your service? He replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Makar, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David brought him from, or had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Maker, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said to Mephibosheth, at your, David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. 
Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely, catch this phrase, I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore. Notice that phrase. I want you to hear that in your heart today. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? There's so much stuff in this particular passage, but here's what I want to bring out to you today. Today, David was acting in the heart and in the mindset of God as he reached out to find someone that was of the household of Saul, of Saul to whom he could show kindness for the sake of his friend Jonathan. He was showing the gracious nature of God. And when Mephibosheth, who did not deserve anything that David was about to give him, when Mephibosheth showed up at David's palace, the Bible says that David made a clear declaration, I want to restore to you all that has been lost from your family, all the land your grandfather had before before it's coming back to you. And when it comes back to you, your life is not just going to be back, but it's going to be back better than it was before. What we see here again is the heart of God, that God is a restorative God. I'm not going to read you the story, but I can reference it for you in Luke chapter 15. You perhaps know the story. If not, I would encourage you to read it. It's a story of a young man He's known as the prodigal son, and the Bible says of this young man that he came to his father. There were two sons in the family, and uh, the first youngest son, I should say, came to the father and said, Dad, I don't don't want to live here anymore. I've pretty much had my fill of what's going on here at the house. By the way, I'm paraphrasing. I I want to go out and do my own thing, and I want my inheritance now. I want you to give me all the money that belongs to me, and I'm going to go out and do what I want to do with my life. The Bible says that the The father honored the son's request and sent him out with his inheritance. The son, as a young man, was very foolish. He wasted all of his inheritance. He comes to the time that he has absolutely nothing at all. He he finds himself in a pig pen feeding pigs and desiring the very food the pigs were eating. And he wakes up and says, "I, I don't want this kind of life. I want to go back. In fact, the phrase he says there is, I will set out and go back to my father. He came back to his father, not necessarily believing that he would be received as a son, but at least wanting to be a servant in his father's household again. And when the son comes back, having wasted the father's inheritance, having really messed up his life, here's the the picture that's given to us in Luke chapter 15. It's the picture of the father running out and seeing this errant son, throwing his arms around him, giving him the biggest fatherly hug of compassion he could possibly give him, calling for a robe to go on his back and a ring to go on his fingers and and sandals to go on his feet, and then having a big party to celebrate the son that was away coming home. What happened there was a restoration of relationship, and it points to the Father God's desire for you. God is the God of recovery. I want you to know today that recovery is something you need. It's something we all need. It's something that I need. Every person needs recovery because of the impact of sin, our personal sin and the sin of the environment that we live in. We have all been hurt and broken and lost, and we've had situations that have injured us and broken our lives and messed us up in a variety of different ways. We come to God saying, God, here I am at a loss. I'm broken. I'm injured. 
injured. Here I am. I'm just a Mephibosheth. I don't have anything really to offer you, but I'm pleading to you on behalf of your restorative nature, your recovery nature. I'm asking you to do this work in my life. And God's, God's answer to us is, a, is an affirmative. Yes, I am the God of recovery. I'm the God of recovery for you. Third thing. Here's the fact. We're talking about recovery, the way back. How do you get started in that process? The third thing is to understand that recovery is something you can experience. It's something that God wants you to experience, not just know about. There's a big difference in knowing about something and experiencing it. There are a lot of church people who can say, you know, yeah, I believe God restores, and yes, I believe God recovers, and yes, I believe X, Y, and Z about God, but they've never pressed into God to experience it. And so with God, it's not just a matter of what you know mentally, it's what you're experiencing with Him. And so this year, as we start a brand new year together, 2021, God does not just want to inform you about the facts related to recovery in your life, God wants you to experience. He wants you to believe that recovery is something that can happen in your life. See, all too often, we just disqualify ourselves from the very thing that God wants to do inside of us. We say things like this, well, yeah, I kind of know that God God is a recovery God and God restores, but, but, but I've messed up too much, or my situation is different from other people. Mine's too hard, too complicated. I'm not spiritual enough to receive recovery from God. Or God doesn't really care about me. Or I've tried it before. How many have said that? You know, I've tried it before. I've tried this recovery thing before and it just didn't, didn't work for me. Or, or, or it's too late for me. I'm too old now to experience it in my life. Or it's just too hard. We use all these different excuses that get in the way of believing that it's something that God really wants to do in your life and in my life. It's not just something that God is all about. He wants to make it real for you. I love Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Very powerful verse. Listen to what it says. For everyone, would you circle that on your notes if you're taking notes? For everyone. Who is everyone? Everyone is everyone. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be, notice the word, saved. I'm going to talk about that word in a moment. Everyone, that includes any and everyone. It doesn't, there's no qualifiers there. It doesn't say everyone as long as you haven't messed up too much or everyone except those whose situation is different or everyone except those who aren't spiritual enough or everyone except those who don't feel as though God cares about them or everyone except those who have tried before or everyone who except those who are saying it's too late for them or everyone except those who think it's too hard. No, it doesn't, it doesn't add any, any qualifiers. It says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Interesting word there for saved. The Greek word that's used for save is a word that includes so many different things that I don't have time uh, today to talk about. But the, the basic essence of the word saved, salvation, is deliverance, restoration, and recovery. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They can be restored and recovered and delivered. Notice everyone doesn't exclude you. Everyone includes you. It includes you, no matter what your life has been, where you are, 
what the depth of your problems might be, the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can experience this in their life. Let me bring you to our final point today that I think will help us to get ready for the next seven weeks together. And really, the final point is not a point I want to make. It's a point that I want you to make in your life. You get to determine this point because I'm going to simply give you a question. Recovery is something that only happens if you want it. So my question to you is, do you want it? Do you want recovery in your life? We all need it. We've described the fact that everybody needs it. You're living in denial if you don't think that you need recovery. We all need it in our life at some level because of sin, because of the impact of sin, because of our own failures and mistakes and the issues that we faced in a broken world that's around us. We all need recovery. We've talked about the fact that God is the God of recovery. And I've just described the fact that recovery is for you. And now we come to this, this next very vital question in your life. Do you want recovery? Because recovery doesn't happen unless you really want it. You have to be the one calling on the name of the Lord, taking the steps in his direction. And your answer, whether you answer yes or no, yes, I want recovery or no, I don't, your answer is going to determine your future. Jesus shows us the importance of this question in John chapter 5. A man's entire future is determined by how he answers this very simple, powerful question. Let me read for you the story. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish religious holidays. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was was Bethesda Pool with five covered platforms or porches surrounding it. Crowds of sick folks, lame, blind, or with paralyzed limbs, lay on the platforms waiting for a certain movement of the water. For an angel of the Lord came from time to time and disturbed the water, and the first person to step down into it afterwards was healed. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Notice that, 38 years, two years shy of four decades. That's a long time. One, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When, he, when Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, notice the question, would you like to get well? Now, it seems like an obvious question, right? Here he is. He's at the pool of Bethesda. and That's where all the sick people go. They're waiting for the angel to stir the water. And the first one that gets in is the one that's going to be healed. And so you would think the answer would be obvious. Well, well, certainly the man wants to get well. But there was something in this man that had not resolved the issue of his own recovery. There was something in this man that was still thinking that I'm not sure it can happen to me. It's proven here by the next verse. In verse number seven, here's the response of the man when Jesus said, would you like to get well? Notice verse seven, I can't, the sick man said. It can't happen to me. I can't experience this. And maybe you've said the same thing in your own life. I'd love to experience recovery. I'd love to have restoration to some element of my life, but, but it can't happen. I can't do it. It's impossible for me. And that's what this man was saying. He was saying, I can't, it can't happen to me. I can't, the sick man said, for I have no one to help me into the pool at the movement of the water. While I'm trying to get there, someone else always gets in ahead of me. This man says, you know, I've tried before and every time I try, it's 
seems like somebody else gets in front of me. It seems that they get the blessing that I was going after. And so now after 38 years, Jesus, I've just basically given up. I'm sure it's not going to happen in my life. I'd love to get well, but I can't. I'd love to be better, but I can't. I'd love to see things break through my life, but it's not going to. I've lost every bit of hope of, of ever being able to experience this. Other people might, but not for me. Jesus just runs right past his excuse. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't pay attention to our excuses? He runs right past the excuse and notice what it says there. Jesus told him, stand up, roll up your sleeping bag or sleeping mat and go home. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up the mat and began walking, but it was on the Sabbath when this miracle was done. Here's this moment that Jesus confronts and lovingly speaks to a man who's been broken for 38 years and says, do you want to get well? Do you want to go back to better? Are you willing to answer? And the man's excuse was there, but Jesus just moves that excuse right out of the way and says, just pick up your mat and walk. Healing is available for you. It's a great miracle that transpires. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus... I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.